0: Feeling good should be natural and easy. This is why we've taken some of the best U.S. grown ingredients and infused them into one of the most delicious gummies on the shelf. Nootropics shouldn't have to taste like the earth. With True Me, you don't have to worry about that. These mushroom gummies taste good and can help you conquer your days by staying on track with whatever life throws at you. Find your True Me with True Me and explore the natural world of nootropics. Nootropics.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you? Really
0: good. I like your new shirt. You got it from somewhere.
1: Yes, I got it from Target. Target. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, very nice. Very nice. You look cute.
1: Thank you. We All went out together. to dinner with your parents.
0: Yeah, we went to Chuck Logger's. I think it's a, uh, a chain,
1: I believe. Yes, it is.
0: It's a nice little time. They had, you know, what, uh, burgers, uh, flatbreads, uh, sandwiches, tacos? uh, Tacos? Well, what more could
1: you want? Exactly. They have a little of this, a little of that, something for everyone. Like
0: a classic American bar and grill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so check it out if you have one. If you don't, then don't. Yeah, Yeah. It doesn't hurt us. But um, yeah, we're here to uh, tell you another uh, episode of uh, some true crime and creepiness. We're a married couple here, come to you every Sunday, and then we have bonus episodes uh, every other week. So, You're
1: right. You're not telling a lie. No,
0: I'm not. And uh, I just definitely want to start off by reading a one of the fantastic reviews we've received thus far. And I want to mention really quick, like Allison mentioned in the last episode, if you've listened to us like three times and enjoyed it, it's kind of that third date where you got to put out. So please go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, I don't believe that well, because nobody has to do anything that they don't want you spe- to
0: do you specifically said i'm teaching our daughter you got to put out the <laughs> right third date. Yeah. right no but, but um it, but you
1: know that whole thing where it's like oh a- it's the third date. he's gonna expect me to put out
0: i don't know that no. well
1: i don't either because you're the only person in the world that i've ever dated in my life
0: right and also had coitus
1: yeah that too. as far as
0: i know let's just oh, be you honest
1: you have no idea
0: No, exactly. i get
1: around town like Charlie Brown? Like Charlie
0: Brown. <laughs> he didn't have many friends. He was kind of sad. <laughs> Charlie Brown Christmas sucks, by the way.
1: Well, it's a lot so, of people enjoy it. I
0: know. It's so sad. It's so sad. It
1: is a little, like, wah, wah. Yeah,
0: like, the whole time, you're like, oh, poor Charlie Brown. Everybody hates him. shit on Like, he, everybody hates him. It's I so like sad. I like Charlie Brown. I think Linus thinks he's okay. But I
1: would have him over to our house for hot cocoa.
0: I don't think I would. He sounds like a, he a, downer. Like a downer. Yeah, I'd rather have anybody else. Literally. He's a
1: bit Eeyore-ish. Yeah.
0: I'd have Snoopy and Woodchuck and Woodchuck. Woodstock, whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Woodstock. Yeah. But um just want to say, hey, if, uh, if you review us, leave a review on Audible or um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever
1: you listen. Very
0: much appreciated. Here's a, a, a review from Audible. Best podcast ever. Uh, I've been listening since day one here on Audible, and I love you guys so very much. I listen every Sunday, but my oldest son loves to hear your banter, so we listen on the way to school on Monday as well. I love everything about your podcast, so thank you so much.
1: We really do appreciate yeah, it so much.
0: I apologize to your son if there's been any awkward conversations. From yeah, Sunday's and banters.
1: it normally comes from you.
0: Yeah, like if you were to say, like, do you remember where the sun was created? Like um, Inception, where Inception happened.
1: Inception or What's Conception? Conception, what Conception. The hell is going on?
0: I had a little many stroke, and I thank you for helping me <laughs> come up with that word. Like, we remember where both of our kids were conceived.
1: Yes, we do, but we don't need to talk about it. No, no,
0: I mean, we, we do, we're very honest on this podcast, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. But you're thinking about it. I am. Both spots. Yes. Okay, good, good. So, I'm um, sorry, thank you so much for listening to us, we appreciate it. Um, But what's what's been going on with you this week?
1: Um, Well, we had our minivan, our really cool Ugh. 2016 town and country. I don't think we talked about this in the last one. I hope not. No, we didn't. But it was in the shop. And in the meantime, we had to get a rental car because it was gone for like a week. And we got a... Uh, Mustang convertible, yeah, was which sweet. was so fun to drive, and it had so much pickup, and I didn't want to get that shitty minivan back. <laughs> it was. Big, I was like, "This is bullshit."
0: Big change, big change. About the same engine, maybe you know V six, you know a lot of horsepower, just you know a lot more geared towards fast engine instead yes. of pulling a lot of people.
1: And Mike always likes to squash any fun that I might have if it comes with a lot of money behind it. I <gasps> oh
0: definitely do. I hundred percent want to squash any very expensive fun.
1: And my mind is I'm responsible with money, but you have to enjoy life as well. And Mike just likes to squash it. So I was driving and I was like, oh my gosh, this pickup is amazing. I was born for speed. I was born for a fast car. And Mike's like, with that comes speeding tickets. (laughs) This is what I'm dealing with. A 90-year-old man that's pockets are sealed shut. Well, uh, do you want speeding tickets? I'm sorry. No, Mike, I wasn't going above the speed limit. I just like to get off the line fast. If I need to get a around an idiot because when i drive i call it idiot hopping because there's so many friggin morons out there because mind you we do live in florida and there's a reputation for not so good drivers it was nice to have that kind of speed
0: whereas i slow down like just today you were like mom mike you gotta get to the right lane i'm like i know i'm just gonna let this guy pass me and then i'm gonna go to the right lane Allison likes to gas it and get right in front of those people aggressive driver conservative driver
1: or we were watching a movie and it takes place like back in the day when there was like um these match girls is what they ca- were called they would make matchsticks, and the one girl was going to be a whistleblower because she realized that the matches were made with a poisonous substance and the girls were getting sick and i'd be like i was i was like i would be out of there in a second and mike's like well it's not guaranteed that you're gonna die <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? So like, if I came home from that job and I was like, I need to get out of here because I have a potential of dying, you'd be like, I mean, you should really keep it up. Because when the girls were boycotting and leaving the factory, like, well, now they need all need to find new jobs. Well,
0: this was like in a, you know, they're all very poor people. It's an Enola Homes too, which is what it was, right? Yes. So um, if on Netflix, check it out. Great. Two great movies.
1: One and two is fantastic. Yeah. yeah.
0: But um, it, it was like a very poor area. Like, I'm sure these people couldn't just walk around and be like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and get a job at the corner store
1: you cannot be in a job where girls are dropping like flies because the substance you're working with on a daily basis is bad to your health
0: right well they were probably working with lead in the meantime you know god knows what they were working this is with. the
1: conversations that i am i am forced to have she he hates cut. common
0: sense. That's what we get down to. It's just a, anything sensical. Allison's like, no, I want dreams and no, windy. it's not dreams.
1: I think life should be fun. I agree. I have a great time. And gosh darn it, I will get a fun car. I yeah, will.
0: You will. I'm sure. Uh, not with our money, but I don't know. <laughs> with you win whose
1: one. money yeah, am I getting? No I don't man. know if
0: you win one or find one. You know, just get a just,
1: car. Just I walk down the street and there's just one sitting there. I think that might be called Auto Grand Theft Auto. Yeah.
0: Well, then you're going to be in the slammer. I don't have to worry well, about it. Well, maybe
1: I want to be in the slammer. You at know how this much
0: money point. we would save if you were in jail. <laughs> A lot. So um, real quick before we uh, talk, you know, get into the story. I got a couple things I'd like to mention. Okay. Number one, I went with the boys to get some drinks and just hang out because we haven't seen each other in a while. And uh, we went to our local grocery store. Yeah, get drinks. That was
1: bizarre. If
0: you live in the southeast, it's Publix. So there's this Publix market called Greenwise. It's kind of uh, organic stuff. And they have a bar there. Every beer is five bucks. And you could get food from the entire grocery store and eat it in the bar area.
1: Well, they have a lot of prepared food.
0: Yes, it was amazing. So I texted Alice and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go get some beers with the guys at Publix. And you're like, are you serious right now? You're going to Publix? I'm like, yeah, we're going to go to Publix. I was
1: like, okay, no judgment here.
0: Yeah, brought my dad. He had a great time. And uh, And you
1: are still on your 100-day no alcohol challenge. So you had kombucha.
0: I did have kombucha, which was even better. They had kombucha there for people like me and i they had like a wing bar there they had salad bar like all these places do did,
1: had, oh i'm sorry to interrupt you no
0: they had a chipotle bar like it was kind of like chipotle and they had free guac so they pointed that out i mean so many, i'm very excited by this it, i mean oh what else uh, sushi well have, you
1: did say you can go to the butcher and get a steak and they would cook it for you
0: yep steak or fish
1: that is really interesting they cook
0: it for you done in 15 minutes it's like you can then go get a five dollar beer and oh there's no tipping no, no tipping at all you no. said that
1: they're like firm on that the guy said he could get fired yes
0: one girl was like please and he's like no i can't i am gonna get fired you can't cannot tip me please yeah so it was and so that saves you another 20 percent. i mean it was amazing and each of us were like we are coming here oh and then we got free samples we got like chocolate covered almonds and some like fish dip it was like amazing we were all like this place gets better every 15 minutes
1: that's really cool it was
0: amazing yeah so i thought that was kind of cool also one last thing for me um our mixed nut situation is fantastic right now. We just got a bag of mixed nuts for the holidays. Mm-hmm. It's in November here. I always scramble around the end of December trying to get mixed nuts. I just have this holiday thing where I want those crackable, like nut crackers with the mixed nuts.
1: Did you grow up with that? Because I do find that you really like to have that.
0: There's something in me that makes it nostalgic, but I don't remember necessarily. So maybe it was like once or twice and I really liked it. Interesting. Because it gave me something to do in, the, you know, in a boring, like, adult place.
1: I had a walnut today and an almond. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's that's all I wanted to mention.
1: Well, I'm happy if you're happy, Mike. I'm
0: very happy. And I, you know, those things don't take a lot of money.
1: That's right. And you know what they say, though. Happy wife, happy mother effing wife. Did I Did say you, that? Yeah.
0: Well, you said happy wife, happy wife. So I guess that is exactly what it means. <laughs>
1: Happy See, wife, you've happy literally wife. made my brain crazy. Yeah, I made it crazy. Happy crazier. wife, happy life. You know what happy we say. life, happy, happy wife, happy <laughs>
0: life. <laughs> happy wife, happy wife. T shirts coming out <laughs> Monday.
1: Oh Good. Lord. So I think we're ready to get started.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, I for this it.
1: ranting and raging. So this is the story of the murder of Tori Stafford. And it's a doozy. It's awful. And I'm just going to put that out there. So on April 8th, 2009, eight-year-old Victoria or Tori Stafford, because she went by Tori, she left school in Woodstock, Ontario, Canada. So it's 2009 and we're in Canada. And it was 3.30 p.m. and she was planning on walking home from school to her new house. She was living with her mom, Tara, Tara's boyfriend, James Gorris, and her brother, Darren. The night before, she was busy decorating her new room with posters of Disney princesses, the Bratz dolls, and high school musical. After school, the plan was for Tori to spend the evening with her dad, Rodney, and then watch a movie with her friends. So Tori was born on July fifteenth, 2000, and she was the youngest of two children.
0: So this would make her nine years old.
1: Um, She was actually eight, eight so it must not have been her birthday yet. Um, She was the youngest of two kids. I mentioned she had a brother named Darren. So her parents divorced when she was two years old. And apparently her father hadn't been around very much, but he had recently cleaned up his act and moved back home to be a more present parent.
0: Cleaned up his act, so gotten into some legal trouble. Yeah,
1: I'm not entirely sure what went on. He was kind of an absentee father, but he probably just said, you know what? I got to put my big guy pants on and be there for my children. Better late than never. Exactly. can't change the past. You can't. So uh, Tori was described as fiery. She was a girly girl. She was a pint-sized tiger who loved to dress up. Wow. So the family had only been living in their new house for one week. So it was going to be Tori's first time walking home the few blocks that she had from school. So her brother, Darren, who was 10 at the time, so a couple years older than she was, was going to accompany her home. So before Darren met Tori, though, he took a couple of younger kids home who lived right next to the school, which sounds very responsible to me. Yeah. You know, that a 10-year-old boy, no less was, you know, walking children home. Our son would be like, what?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I didn't take anybody home today. I wanted to come home and play Call of Duty. We'd be
1: like, Cameron, your sister. And he's like, oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, We we dog on our son as a joke, but he's he's a good guy. So Darren was taking these other kids home. So in the meantime, you know, Tori's standing out there waiting for him. And regardless, he then headed back to the school to meet Tori, but she was nowhere to be found. Assuming that she had already decided to walk home by herself he headed home
0: now is these are from the same school or different schools they're
1: in the same school
0: so why did he take the other kids home first
1: because he probably assumed he had more time huh, okay. he was probably like it was literally right next to the school Oh, okay he was probably thinking i'll take them home two birds with one stone and then i'll come back and get tori and we'll head back together makes sense so they're in elementary school so he's assuming again that she already left and went home so that's the direction that he headed he got on his bike and rode back... um, Oh, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm saying this wrong. So he went back home. He realized Tori was not there. This is when he got on his bike and rode back to the school to find his sister, but again, Tori was nowhere to be found. So when Darren let his family know the situation, they began calling Tori's friends, but no one had seen her since school had been released. At 6.04 that evening, Tori was reported missing to police by her grandmother, Linda Winters. Or I'm sorry, Linda Winters. When Tori was last seen, she was wearing a black Hannah Montana jacket with white fur lining on the hood, a green shirt, a denim skirt, and a black and, black and white shoes. She was carrying a Bratz doll bag. A search party came together to look for her, but no clues were found until police obtained surveillance footage from the high school down the street from Tori's elementary school. So at 3.32 p.m. that day, the footage showed Tori walking with an unknown woman who was wearing tight black jeans, a white puffy coat, and her dark hair was pulled back into a ponytail.
0: Like just next to
1: her or holding her hand? They were clearly walking together. Okay. So there was no doubt that this is what was happening. So it appeared that the girl was anywhere from age 19 to 25. She weighed about 120 to 125 pounds. The video was released to the media and police received a tip that the woman was 18-year-old Terry Lynn McClintock.
0: Wow, so they got a name right away and identification. Yes, Great. yes.
1: So to give you a background on who this person is, so Terry Lynn McClintock was 8 years old when she started smoking cigarettes. That is mind-boggling to me because we have a 10-year-old and the idea that she could be puffing away on cigarettes for like 2 years to this point like it just makes my head spin.
0: I mean, I know I started trying cigarettes around that time because my mom smoked and I just was like, well, I'm going to steal one and see what it's like. I didn't inhale. It was like you know just the (laughs) i didn't know you're supposed to right
1: well you were just curious i remember one time my uncle threw a cigarette in the grass and me and my cousin ran over and it was still lit so we like puffed on it yeah we're this girl's actively smoking at age eight Mm. so she was also smoking marijuana again at age eight and as she got into her teenage years as one would expect if you're eight and you're smoking cigarettes and marijuana your problems are only going to escalate i
0: mean you'd have to guess that she's surrounded by terrible parents. You would assume there's something
1: going on that your eight-year-old reeks of cigarettes and there's no question about it. smell
0: like cigarettes and weed and no parents are like, okay, you got to stop smoking.
1: Because when you're eight, you're in like third grade. Yeah, that's sad. It's it's very sad. So as she got older and into her teenage years, she moved into, again, like we would expect, harder drugs like morphine and Oxycontin.
0: Ugh, so pills, 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 pills. pills. Mm -hmm. That's so dangerous.
1: Terry Lynn was adopted at nine months old after her mom, who was an exotic dancer, was unable to care for her. She was was given to her mom's best friend, Carol, who was also an exotic dancer. They moved a lot, so Terry Lynn was often the new kid in school, and she often skipped school. Her adoptive parents were violent and abusive to each other. Um, The household was very unstable there was a lot of turmoil within the home
0: no surprise so i mean i wouldn't be surprised if there was some sexual abuse and stuff and
1: i don't i don't know anything about that it sounds like there was a lot of violence happening not necessarily even towards terry lynn it was just happening in the house so she was in foster care at points she was in juvie at times it was very tumultuous so between ages 12 and 17 she was in trouble with assault six times she often wrote that she was going to get revenge on the people who did her wrong. Hmm. So there's a lot of anger happening. And, you know, when you're a child and you're being raised in an abusive home, you're, you're probably harboring a lot of, anger because yeah, you, you want a stable home when and, you have
0: a no, and you have no idea how to deal with all these no. emotions and what's going on and you have nobody to talk to because they're all psychopaths that live with you.
1: Mm-hmm. So when Terry Lynn was 16, she got into a fight with Carol and punched her so violently that Carol nearly lost her vision in one eye.
0: Carol, her mom, her adoptive mom, not
1: step mom, adoptive mom. So eventually the relationship did get better and the violence stopped in early 2009, Terry Lynn basically lived on antidepressants, Oxycontin, and ecstasy. She injected herself with morphine and she also smoked pot. So her drug, you know, when, when you're a drug addict, your whole day and your life is surrounded on when can I get my next hit? How can I get it? And that's basically the life that she was living in the time frame that this story takes place. Right. So on April twelfth, which is four days after Tori went missing, Terry Lynn was in police custody for an unrelated charge after violating her probation. When she was questioned about Tory, she denied any involvement. A month later, on May 19th, Terry Lynn changed her story during a police interview and admitted that she and her boyfriend of two months, who was 28-year-old Michael Rafferty, that they had kidnapped Tori. So, she just put all the cards on the table at that point. Okay. At the time of her confession, police had no real evidence to tie her or Michael to the crime. They were actually suspecting Tori's family at that point. Mm. So they're looking, you know, as we always say, the inside out. Yeah. So Terry Lynn and Michael met at a pizza place and Michael offered her a ride home. When they arrived, they had a deep conversation and then they decided to drive around more and talk about Oxycontin. So at the end of the romantic date, spent driving and discussing drugs, they had sex in their car. Hey, that
0: sounds like a perfect first date.
1: Would we call that a meet cute?
0: (laughs) I think so. I think that sounds a lot like when we met when Mm. we were 16 at a bagel shop. Mm
1: -hmm. So over the next several weeks, Terry Lynn supplied Michael with Oxycontin, you know, as most solid relationships are, they're bonding over Oxycontin. And um, when he would come when he would come over, she would give him the drugs. And she felt that he always said the right things and make her feel and made her feel special. Her previous relationships with men had been very negative. She had even been molested when she was only four years old. Believe that.
0: So there you go. See, remember? you were
1: right. And what it comes down to is when you are in in the sort of childhood you're going to look for love and attention and affection from anyone who pays you a lick of attention and she probably
0: learned that from her mom or whoever boyfriend she had and whatever and I mean, she had no chance, basically.
1: So it's it's very sad. Yeah, it's too bad. S- but I mean, the things that happen here, you're, you're feeling sorry for the child version of this person, not the adult version of this person.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that go through a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. still don't commit heinous crimes. Like exactly.
1: This. So police believe that Terry Lynn decided to snitch on Michael that day because she suspected that he was seeing other women while she was locked up. On May 15th, Michael had spoken to Terry Lynn on the phone and basically told her that he wouldn't be visiting her or calling her anymore for a while. So he was kind of, you know, ending things. Breaking up, yeah. And this did not sit well with her, so I think this was a catalyst that caused her to lay out her cards. Good. So she said before this, Michael was giving her a hard time and told her that she wasn't nearly the badass that she thought she was, because if she was, she would help him kidnap a child. He told Terry to go to the elementary school on release and find a girl by herself and strike up a conversation. He instructed her to talk about candy or dogs while luring her away.
0: That's like, so not even targeted, just some random little girl.
1: Not targeted. Jeez. From what we know, we'll, we'll hear more. Okay. He said it was better to focus on a younger child because they're easier to manipulate. And of course they are because they're trusting. Yeah. They're not jaded by the world. That's
0: so why I gotta have those talks with kids. Be like, never ever. If you don't know the person coming to pick you up, do not, under any circumstances. If mm-hmm. they say we're dead, do not get in that car.
1: Right. We said we would no stranger would ever come to fetch. Ever. You up,
0: ever, ever, ever.
1: Unless it's, you know, a policeman with a badge or something. Right. So they when I say they Michael and Terry Lynn had parked in the lot of a retirement home right across the street from the local high school and Terry walked to the elementary school with Michael waiting in the car. Terry noticed, and I'm sorry if I say Terry, Terry Lynn noticed Tori standing by herself and began to talk to her about her own dog, which is a Shih Tzu, which just so happened to be the exact same breed of dog that Tori owned as well. Uh, So they automatically had something in common, which, of course, is putting this eight-year-old child at ease. Sure. So, um, Terry Lynn is now asking Tori if she wanted to come to see her dog. Tori was excited and said yes. So, Terry Lynn led Tori to the car where Michael waited. As they got closer to the car, Michael began basically shouting out the window, hurry up to them. So, as they drove, Tori asked where they were going and Terry Lynn told her that they were just going for a drive. They kept her on the driver's side back seat, hidden under Michael's black coat. Terry Lynn talked to Tori along the way and learned that her favorite color was purple and her favorite holiday was Halloween because she loved dressing up. They made some stops along the way. They went to Tim Hortons. They went to Michael's friend's house to buy some Percocets. And then they hit up Home Depot where Michael told Terry Lynn to go in and buy a hammer and large garbage bags
0: that's uh that sucks i already hate this story yep
1: surveillance video saw michael's car in the home depot parking lot at 5 p.m that day god
0: i just wish i could reach down and just fucking kill michael like as soon as he stood and terry lynn just destroy them like i i'm sure the parents and everybody else did too just like I wish there was some way to know that this was going on I- with any kid anywhere and just zap these people away from earth. Like ugh, just just, I and don't know, disintegrate them, melt, all of this melt their happen. skin and bones and just like rid them from the earth. Like, God damn it. This, this little girl is like just so excited to see like a shih tzu. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Cause she's and, an innocent little third grade child. And this piece of shit,
0: Terry Lynn, like you don't talk to this kid and see like a, a beautiful, bright, smiling little girl that's excited and be like, maybe I shouldn't do this. You fucking piece of shit like you fucking loser idiot drug addict asshole like I uh, I can't stand it already and I'm sorry to go off
1: and the weird thing is is they're talking about surveillance video there was a lot of surveillance video even before this day like they were in the movie theater and in line and it's like they're like two days away from this going down and they're just like at a movie theater it's like how did this happen
0: this isn't like a fake thing this isn't a movie like you're changing a little child's like life that has everything in front of them god knows what's gonna they're gonna do you know i whatever like they they have their entire life in front of them and you're like one that's gonna come around and just buy a hammer to use on this like who the fuck does this this is i know like i don't get it man why, is, why do things have to be like this
1: so during their drive michael and terry lynn talked about how they were going to have to do something to tori because they couldn't keep her and they couldn't just drop her off From here, they drove to the country, and as they did, Michael started to masturbate in the car.
0: It's always like sexually, Jesus H. Christ. Oh, my God.
1: When they stopped, Terry Lynn took Tori to the public restroom. While they were in the restroom, Terry Lynn told Tori that she was a very strong girl. As they talked, Tori begged her not to leave her alone with Michael. It's heartbreaking. Terry Lynn took Tori back to the car, holding hands as they walked. As they arrived, Michael was out of the car and picked Tori up, putting her inside of the car. Tori was pleading with Terry Lynn, begging her not to leave her. When Terry Lynn testified, she said he picked her back up. She still had a hold of my hand. She didn't want to let go. She asked me to stay with her. So I got into the front seat and I tried to hold on to her hand, but I couldn't stay because I knew what was about to happen and I couldn't be there for that. Terry Lynn began to walk away as Michael violently raped Tori in the backseat of the car.
0: Of course he did. Jesus Christ. Again, how does Terry let this happen? Terry Lynn, stupid-ass idiot, and Michael, obviously a huge, gigantic piece of shit loser. I mean, I hope these both of these people are dead, or are going to be very soon. Like, they're just scum of the earth, basically. I can't think of anything possibly lower.
1: So, even at a distance, Terry Lynn could hear Tori screaming and crying in the car. She claimed that Tori's screams brought back flashbacks of her own traumatic childhood. When Michael was finished with his attack on Tori, he threw her outside the car. Terry Lynn walked toward the car and kicked Tori and stomped on her. What the heck? Where does this even come from? When she testified, she said, I turned back to the vehicle and when I saw what was going on, all I saw was myself at that age.
0: And so you kicked yourself? Like, are you uh, out of your mind?
1: And all that anger and hate and rage that I built up toward myself came out of me. They placed a plastic bag over Tori's head and Terry Lynn used the hammer they purchased from Home Depot to strike Tori's head multiple times. They placed her little body into a garbage bag and put her under a tree and camouflaged it with rocks. When Tori's remains were found, her Hannah Montana jacket and butterfly earrings were found with her inside the bag. From there, they had the car washed and they got rid of the hammer and their clothes. Tori's autopsy showed that she died from at least four blows from the hammer to her head. 16 of her ribs were broken and her liver was damaged while she was still alive. The blunt force trauma to her body and what caused her liver laceration, which alone would have been fatal to her. So when police questioned Terry Lynn after identifying her in the surveillance video, she told them that Tori was dead straight up. She provided them with a sketch area of where her body could be located, and the police went to a rural area just southeast of Mount Forest in Ontario, about 82 miles from Tori's house. Tori's badly decomposed remains were found under the evergreen tree, covered in rocks, on July 21, 2009, 103 days after she was reported missing. She was found naked from the waist down. Because of the extent of her decomposition, dental records had to be used to identify her. The medical examiner couldn't definitively determine if Tori had been raped because of the state of decomposition." Terry Lynn and Michael were ordered to have separate trials. She was charged, and I'm going to skip a little bit here because I I kind of cover this in, in the end. But um, Terry Lynn is basically claiming during her trial that she was only going to pretend to take the child, a child, from the elementary school. But ultimately, I don't give a rat
0: shit. I mean, I do want to know why she did it, but man, it's like I would just be like, shut up, you did it, and you're going to get the worst possible thing you can get. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear what she's going to say. Well, she
1: said she was just trying to pretend to be this bad that Michael was challenging her on. She was going to pretend to do it and come back to the car and say that she just couldn't. But as she was walking towards the school, she knew that Michael could see her. So she noticed that Tori was by herself. So she said she went through with it. She claimed that she was unaware of what Michael was going to do that day. Terry Lynn said that she only targeted Tori because she just happened to be alone, but it was later revealed that there actually had been a connection. Uh So this is why I'm saying, was it random Or was it, you know, was it set up? I don't know. During the trial, Tori's mom, Tara, revealed that at the time of her daughter's abduction and murder, she had been also addicted to Oxycontin. She purchased the drug from Terry Lynn's mother and when she was at Terry Lynn's house dealing with the mom, Terry Lynn had also been there. And so this happened twice that they saw each other at Terry Lynn's house.
0: How bad does mom have to feel to be even cl- mm-hmm. somewhere related Connected. to the killer of your child?
1: So Tara said while she was at their house, she spoke of their Shih Tzu dog. Uh, so it was the the connection between them was voiced in, their, in Terry Lynn's presence because she did have a Shih Tzu and... They had two, and they discussed breeding their dogs because Terry Lynn's family had one, she had one, so they actually had a conversation about potentially breeding their dogs. Well,
0: then you can sell the puppies and buy more bills. Of course.
1: It was actually Tara that was able to recognize Terry Lynn from the surveillance video that was put out. Oh. So Tara is... Tori's mom yeah so the defense made the case that Michael didn't know what was going to happen when Terry Lynn brought Tori to his car that day they claimed that the abduction and murder was 100% Terry Lynn's fault it was her idea she lured Tori away she purchased the murder weapon from Home Depot Michael said that Terry Lynn told him that she took Tori for a drug debt and allowed him to do something sexual to her the defense said that Michael said no and Terry Lynn asked him to drive to a rural location. When they arrived, she asked him to walk away since Tori was afraid of him. She said... That that's when Terry Lynn, or he said, I think I should say, that that's when Terry Lynn murdered Tori and that Michael is denying that Tori had ever been raped. Basically saying he had absolutely nothing to do with any of it except for driving them out to that location and helping with the disposal of her body.
0: Interesting. She.
1: That's what Michael is saying.
0: Now, you know what? That, that makes more sense to me um, because it doesn't make sense that Terry Lynn would come around and kick her and suffocate her and bash her with a hammer. Like, I'm not, you know, I know you're probably going to tell me what really happened or hopefully, I don't know, but that makes a little bit more sense that Terry Lynn's just fucking out of her mind.
1: So and, you believe that Michael is innocent? No. That, like, what What did I say? He was 28 years old? Maybe
0: my mind wants to believe that because I'm...
1: 28-year-old drug addict with a 18-year-old drug addict? You you think, like, he's making all sorts of good decisions?
0: No um but you know there's a lot of people that are addicted what to are you Doesn't doing
1: at a friggin elementary school
0: um I don't know you know it's not for me to find out I and they said you know there's so so much decomposition that they couldn't find it just no. it didn't when you said the story with Terry with you know Terry Lynn and Michael it didn't go together it didn't make sense it just Something was off that Terry Lynn was holding her hand and like ah oh, I, I okay yeah whatever held her hand and then let her go have what I don't want you want to say no don't and then come back and and actually murder a child like Terry Lynn is the one that took the child talked to the child about the Shih Tzu went saw into Home in Depot face.
1: and got the the yeah. hammer and the garbage bags right
0: so all these things lead up to Terry Lynn being the absolute psychopath I'm I'm not saying that Michael's innocent but I could see this story making more sense than the other one because it's kind of random. It's almost like you're watching a bad movie and they have this scene happen. It's like, that wasn't even necessary. Like, I don't even know where that came from. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like she added it all in herself so that she could put a pin on him. So
1: the defense also said that Terry Lynn was a violent and cruel person. Evidence presented to the jury was that when she was a child, she actually put the family dog into the microwave. This actually happened. Yeah, She turned the microwave on until the dog screamed. Okay. Well, that's a psychopath. The dog ended up having to be put to sleep because of its injuries that it sustained. So she is not a good person. Right. So when investigators looked at Michael's computer though, the search history included underage rape. Real underage rape pictures. Best programs to download child pornography. It also contained the movie <laughs> called Gardens of the Night, which was a 2008 film about an 8-year-old girl who is lured away by Alex who is played by Tom Arnold after he says that he needs help finding his dog. So this is like a mirror image of what happened that day. So yeah. I believe that um, Michael got Michael lucky. A- absolutely raped Tori that day. I believe that. So basically, this this movie on the computer is, is verbatim of what happened. Okay. It also contained the movie Carla, which is a 2006 film based on the true story of Carla Homoka, who I've we've had a couple people suggest that we cover this story which we might end up doing in the future. But basically, Carla was married to Paul Bernardo and apparently Paul had voiced interest in Carla's sister who was younger than her. So, this is Tammy Hamoka. So, during the summer of 1990, Carla came up with a plan to drug her sister with Valium in order to allow Paul to rape her own sister Tammy. So um they gave her an animal tranquilizer that Carla had taken from the vet clinic where she worked. Tammy later choked on her own vomit and died. So this is just another like crazy violent Type I mean, of
0: we should probably look into anybody that <laughs> owns these like owns these movies. I mean, oh no, no offense, if you you know just enjoy film and have these movies, but and I, I'm only laughing because of the ridiculousness. There's nothing funny about no. Any of this there's shit. nothing
1: funny about it. But, and however, though, none of the information from Michael's laptop was able to be used during the trial because investigators had a search warrant to search his car. They found the laptop in the car. They didn't have a search warrant to actually search the laptop.
0: Oh, I so didn't know all of that
1: was tossed out that
0: sucks so then you you have no chance of getting him in anything then
1: so apparently after tory went missing michael had changed his facebook status after tory's abduction to bring tory home during the trial, forensic biologists confirmed that blood, a blood sample taken from Michael's car did match Tory's DNA. There was also semen samples from the back seat. Ah, so they're definitely. But we do know that when Tor, or when Terry Lynn and Michael had their first date, they did have sex in the car. I'm sure
0: he's had sex in his car before. Yeah. I'm
1: sure that he has. So police also tracked down 13 women who claim that Michael liked to choke them during sex and not always with consent. One woman apparently signed a consent note that she agreed for sexual choking and passing out during sex.
0: That's kind of popular.
1: Okay. I don't know.
0: Not that I, I mean I hear from my younger friends.
1: I have no desire for any of that. Okay. So on May 20th 2009 Michael was charged with first degree murder and Terry Lynn was charged with being an accessory to murder. I'm
0: surprised they charge him.
1: So they charged him with the first degree and Terry Lynn only with the accessory.
0: Now she's the one that killed Tory, right
1: right so we'll just keep going okay. so on May 28th McClintock's charges were ch- adjusted to first degree murder and unlawful confinement charge and it was announced that they would be tried separately okay
0: so now Terry Lynn's got first degree on her yes. and so does Michael yes yes
1: So Terry Lynn was scheduled to be in court on April 30th, 2010, though a publication ban was imposed by the judge on the events of that day. The ban was lifted on December 9th, 2010, and it revealed that Terry Lynn had pleaded guilty to first degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years. Again, I never understood. So, no that. chance
0: of parole until the chance of parole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So,
1: at the time, though, Canada had a faint hope clause that determined that those serving a life sentence with parole eligi- eligibility period of more than fifteen years could apply for parole after serving only 15 years.
0: Like, where does this keep on coming in?
1: (laughs) So the law was abolished on December 2nd, 2011, but because her sentencing happened earlier in 2010, she she will be eligible for parole as early as 2024. People, we are going into 2023 here. Terry Lynn will be only 33 years old.
0: If that bitch ever sees the light of day, I mean, somebody's got to take care of her somehow, I would hope.
1: So on March 5th, 2012, Michael's trial began, and on May 11th, 2012, he was found guilty of all charges, which was kidnapping, sexual assault, and first-degree murder of Tori Stafford. On May 15th, he was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years. On July 26, 2012, Michael appealed his conviction claiming that the judge's instructions to the jury were flawed. However, the 30-day deadline to appeal passed and, you know, he basically claimed he didn't have the right access to the telephone to talk to his lawyers. Regardless, Tough shit. the appeal was ultimately dismissed. Michael's sentence happened after the Faint Hope Clause had been abolished, so he's not eligible for parole for twenty five years. Okay. So in twenty thirty six, he will be eligible. At this time, he will be approximately fifty-six years old. Again, still plenty young to wreak havoc on this world.
0: Yeah, Canadians do what you can to keep these scumbags in jail, man. That's, exactly. Whatever kind anything.
1: of you know, petitions that need to be signed because Terry Lynn is going to be eligible in two short years you
0: know this terry lynn's gonna do some bad shit to bad some people
1: and this will also you know that. i'm gonna tell you a little bit more
0: and michael's gonna go after little girls too again of course no doubt will. about it because that's in his head and that's all he gets off to right. so I, the, like it's i guarantee both these people are gonna do something bad
1: yes i would as well so in 2014 terry lynn was later transferred from prison to an indigenous healing lodge To allow for more independent living. Oh, good, good. Yeah,
0: that's good. (laughs)
1: This caused absolute outrage throughout Canada.
0: How the hell did it even happen in the first place?
1: <laughs> I don't know. So Terry's Terry Lynn's own brother was outraged. He said, She is no more indigenous than I am green from the planet Mars.
0: <laughs> That's a pretty good line.
1: He feels that she manipulated information to improve her situation, going from a maximum security prison to a place where she is given access and rights and the security is absolutely minimum in this place that she was transferred to. Wow,
0: smart of her, I guess.
1: Despite the fact that at one point in her imprisonment, she assaulted another inmate so
0: and you should not be eligible for no. parole like that because that's not good behavior
1: well not to mention she's taken from a maximum security place and basically put into like a, a spa. yeah so in 2012 during her time at grand valley institute for women she got into an unprovoked fight with another female inmate who was serving life in prison for first degree murder as well she apparently had a role in killing her ex-boyfriend so prison staff intercepted a letter that Terry Lynn wrote to a friend and it indicated that she confronted this other prisoner, Amy McIntyre, About something that she had said about her. She wrote that she had gotten in at least a couple of shots, some good ones, like one or two decent face shots. She wrote that while Amy curled into the fetal position on the floor, she kicked her repeatedly. She was sentenced to six months for this assault, but because sentences in Canada run concurrently, it's not gonna have any effect on her ultimate charge or her ultimate sentence. And on top of this, two years later is when they sent her to this indigenous place. I I will not understand. So more disturbingly, though, in this place that we're referring to, there's children present. So it allows inmates to actually have their children present with them. So like female Um, prisoners can have their children basically living with them in this this place.
0: That's nice if you're a responsible prisoner.
1: Right. But now Terry Lynn, who murdered an eight-year-old, is... In a, a place with children.
0: it doesn't make any any sense.
1: It's mind-boggling.
0: <laughs> this sounds like it's something that would happen in America. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> Minister of Ugh. Public Safety Ralph Goodall stepped in after the decision was made and ordered the Commissioner of Correctional Service Canada to review how the transfer happened. She was then transferred back in 2018. So, she was there for four years, living the good life as right. a prisoner there. Yeah. So because of this, in 2019, Terry Lynn sought compensation for her unfair treatment, though this was later dropped. So the kidnapping charge against her was dropped. Um, At the hearing, she couldn't explain why she decided to lure Tori away.
0: Why did kidnapping drop? I don't know. That's weird. I mean, she kidnapped her. I don't know. It's clear as day. It's on camera
1: she said she maybe
0: a pleading like if you say yes to the first degree murder we'll get drop the kidnapping
1: perhaps I don't know but she claims that the day that all of this happened with Tori she didn't wake up and plan to do what she did she said I think that maybe if I hadn't walked down that street that day that precious little angel would still be here every day I ask myself why why did I tell myself that everything would be okay I can't honestly understand my thought process that day in the presence of Tori's family um, Terry Lynn apologized saying a million tears would never be enough, and a million words would never be able to explain how truly sorry that I am. Michael also apologized to Tori's family, but continued to maintain the idea that he was 100% innocent and again, only dealt with driving the car and um, disposing of Tori's remains.
0: Honestly, I don't know how they got him on sexual assault or whatever because there was no evidence. Because
1: Terry Lynn is saying.
0: It's like he said, she said. So I don't, there's, in, in America, I don't think that would fly.
1: Maybe, maybe not. In 2018, Michael was moved from a maximum security prison to a medium security prison. And of course, um, the family members of Tori are notified anytime transfers are made. So, you know, they're outraged to think, like, why are you transferring this person who brutally murdered my daughter to a lesser secure prison? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. What, what is the purpose of that? Right.
0: <laughs> like you're you're getting you're giving him a better life. I don't want everyone to see anything about a better life for this scumbag.
1: Not at all. In 2020, Tory's dad Rodney asked citizens of Ontario to honor Tori on what would have been her 20th birthday by doing random acts of kindness. Since her murder, Rodney has become a child safety advocate and joined other families in 2018 to enforce more strict prison sentences for violent offenders. And I can't like agree with that more
0: yeah especially children i mean it should be open and closed Mm -hmm. like i mean you that there's
1: zero chance of parole yeah but the scary thing is is that these two monsters could be out roaming the pavements terry lynn in a couple years and michael in the next what 16 yeah I mean, that is not enough time for what they did to this beautiful, precious, innocent eight-year-old little girl that had her entire life ahead of her. It's just sickening to think that these monsters could go on to live their lives when this little baby girl couldn't. I, I will never understand. So I'm just praying and hoping that their paroles are denied and that they don't get out.
0: Um, any any thoughts on that? Like, did you read anything that said, like, usually in Canada, you know, it's no. not always the first time? Mm-mm. I mean, you got to think just with how terrible and violent it was. Like, they're never going to be approved for parole in the beginning, anywhere near the beginning. It'll, it's got to take 5 to 10 to 20 years. You would I think.
1: would pray to God.
0: And, like, why would, I mean, just knowing that they got lesser jail, you know, prison areas than... You you would think that you know Canada's kind of lenient on things. They want to like you know give people a chance, a second or third mm-hmm. chance or whatever, which I can appreciate in some situations. But these are two pieces of shit. Like we said, that mm-hmm. are going to do through and through
1: again. to the core. I, I mean, Terry Lynn already, and she said in her note to her friend that had she been given the ample opportunity to like get in a fight with this um, other prisoner, that she would have done far more harm.
0: Oh, no doubt. She's a super violent scumbag.
1: Right. So what's going to happen when she's out on the streets and somebody rubs her the wrong way? She's hey, going to attack them.
0: Whether somebody rubs her the wrong way or the right way, she's going to do something bad. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be hurt. Many people are probably going to be hurt. So, I mean, I, I would hope the true crime community, you know, our listeners, every other listener that's ever heard this will be all over this when this bitch starts to get you know, even a sniff mm-hmm. of anything to get out right. of jail. So. Ah huh, man, I, I, I'm so sorry to sweet little Tory Stafford. Any little child, man, we, I talk about it every time. I I just love kids so much that you know I I keep on picturing her being excited to talk about the dog, and just like how you could take that child, this. still go to a car and still be fine with Holding all the hands shit you with did. her
1: as you walk.
0: Like kids are like the most special thing in the world.
1: Well, man. they're so pure and sweet. Cause again, they haven't had time to let the world make them jaded yeah. stories like this. They haven't, you know, like our 10 year old, she is just, I was saying this morning, like she's just such a pure, sweet heart. Like it just like blows me away of like what a good person she is. And to think that somebody could hurt an innocent child just sickens me to the core. It's all I can say. There's really no more you could say. But, you know, this is an honor of Tori to have her story heard and hopefully keep these monsters in prison where they need to be until their dying day.
0: Yeah, if you're anybody high up in Canada that can do something about these scumbags, please keep them away, locked away for a long time. Mm-hmm. Huh, well, I absolutely hated that story. So, yeah, I mean, we hate all these stories, but uh, it's just ones stuff like involving this.
1: children. I, I get it. It really hits hard.
0: I hate it so much. Like it's hard doing a podcast about really hate horrible things. It really is. It's, I don't know. It's, it's tough mentally sometimes. So Uh, anyway, we
1: thank you all for being here.
0: More about sorry, Tori, you know, just in in her memory. Right.
1: And yes, exactly. Absolutely. So,
0: well, thank you for listening and, you know, hope to bring more stories, you know, that, uh, that deserve to be remembered. Um, of other people unfortunately but um, if you want to hear more episodes of our Crime and Coffee Couple podcast here uh, become a patron so every other week we deliver a bonus episode Uh, I'll be delivering the next one and I want to say thank you to our patrons Colleen, Lily, Karen, Nadine, Allie, Michael, Kayla, Dominic, Brian, Shannon, Elizabeth, Manny, Mandy I'm sorry, uh, Alana, Vivian, trisha lauren megan jamie beth Chastity, genevieve clara ann emily kathy ava jovi eileen misty and rochelle
1: you guys are awesome fantastic
0: all very very beautiful people inside and out. In yeah.
1: and out in and out so thank you all thank you all for being here and until next time we'll be back bye, bye.